Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Nikayla Matthews Akome, who is the founder of Side Hustle Pro. She's a Jamaican-born, Bronx-bred marketer and side hustler turned full-time podcaster and entrepreneur. In 2016, she created the Side Hustle Pro podcast, and Side Hustle Pro is the first and only podcast to spotlight bold black women entrepreneurs who have scaled from side hustle to profitable business. And since launching, it's been named the perfect entrepreneur podcast by Mashable, earned close to 2 million downloads and amassed a loyal social media following of aspiring entrepreneurs. In this episode, we go through how Nikayla started and grew her podcast and business, how you can go from side hustle to full-time entrepreneur, and so much more. As always, the show notes are at discogrind.com slash podcasts. You can support the show, leave a rating and review over an Apple podcast, and be sure to check out Nikayla at sidehustlepro.co. Again, sidehustlepro.co. Without further ado, here is Nikayla matthews Akome founder of Side Hustle Pro. Nikayla, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Justin. Yeah. And listening to the Side Hustle Pro podcast, your show, and kind of seeing the progression over the last months and months and months has been very impressive. And of course, I want to know, how did this all get started? How did you start the show? So I started the show at a time when I had been doing this blog, it was called Kayla K Speaks. And my blog started out with me trying to get a job, really. I was trying to impress employers and talk about marketing and different aspects of the industry and show them how well-versed I was. And then after a while, I said, you know what? That actually bores me. <laughs> I love marketing, <laughs> but I don't want to do a whole blog about it. I actually prefer interviewing people. And I found myself gravitating to interviewing Black women who were somehow killing it in the in corporate, but also had these awesome side hustles that they had going on or had left their side hustle and were now full-time entrepreneurs because that's where I saw myself going. So started doing that on the blog as interviews. And after a while realized it was really hard to cut down the interviews because we would talk for like an hour and yeah. and or or sometimes they would share their questions uh, via email and sh- share their answers. And I just could not cut down these awesome answers. So I thought, let me check out this audio format that everyone seems to be doing. It was like shortly after the time of Serial, podcast started popping up and I myself jumped into the wave as well. <laughs> awesome. I and mean, even before that, so when you're starting the blog as a way to kind of get to employers, I mean, where did that idea come from? Because I don't, not everyone does that where they like, oh, right. <laughs> I want to get from employers, you know, grow my cred. I'm just going to start blogging. Like, where did that idea even come from? So that idea came from after I'd graduated from um, Michigan Ross with my MBA, I went through a period of trying to find myself. So I interned between my first and second years of business school at um, Google out in Mountain View. And didn't and I was in ad sales, so I didn't love ad sales. And it was kind of, you know, God's will that I didn't get the um, full-time offer, but I didn't know that at the time. I came back pretty bummed out, um, back being DC. That's where my um, then boyfriend, now husband lives. And was try- trying to figure out how to become this digital person in this really politics-driven city that I was not interested in being a part of the politics scene. And so as someone with a background in social media marketing, it was just natural to me to think, duh, I have to work on my personal brand. I have to figure out how to brand myself and, you know, make sure that I have a website and social media channels that expresses that so that as employers 
come across me, I stand out. So that was just a natural train of thought for me. Yeah. And then with Side Hustle Pro, when you started this podcast, I mean, you didn't know, this is what everyone happens. When you start something, you don't know what to do. Like, what were some of those first steps you took to like figure out what this was going to be, what the, what the podcast was going to be? So some of the first steps I took was obviously kind of reading every article I could on the internet, um, <laughs> figuring out the te technological aspects of it. And, you know, so that's always the easy part. Like launching a podcast is something that people are doing every day. So that is the part that I think most people think, oh, okay, I've done it. I've launched. And they don't realize that what really helps you to stand out is understanding marketing. And I had a leg up there because my background was in marketing. So I knew the power of social media and how that was going to help me to reach more people who would enjoy this content and you know, expand my listenership, expand my audience that way. So my first steps were just getting it out there. And then as I got closer to launch, really planning out what my launch marketing plan was going to be. Yeah. And then diving deeper into that, I mean, what were some of the aspects of that, that marketing plan? Because there's so many different things you right. could do to promote a show. I mean, what were some <laughs> of the things where you were thinking of then initially? So initially, I was thinking about, um, and this is what I encourage everyone to do when they're thinking about launching a podcast is, okay, who is the listener of this podcast? You know, you, you learn it in marketing, whether you call it your avatar, your ideal customer, what have you, you need to be creating content with someone in mind. So often we start podcasts because we are the target listener at first, right? We fall into that target customer profile. However, we can't just... Um, exist in a silo and completely have our blind spots up and not recognize that in order for this show to grow, we also need to take into consideration what other people in our target audience need. So one, I um, started to hash that out by, you know, I did some um, research calls. I went, did some background um, search on just what was out there in the landscape. So competitive research and what was out there, what was missing. And I knew that my what I was bringing to the table was the fact that these conversations with Black women entrepreneurs really weren't out there in a consistent manner. And also the fact that, hey, most of us have to side hustle. <laughs> like this is a common <laughs> fact. Why is no one talking about this? That was yeah. also not being covered. So I knew I had a great angle there. I Once I did my uh, research calls, I knew I, what my customer, um, excuse me, my, what my listeners wanted to hear from me. And in launching, um, my first step was to identify all the channels where I would, where I knew my listener hangs out. So across social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, everyone's will be different. But for me, those were the areas I wanted to at least have geography and making sure that I went to market by um, having coverage there, having content scheduled there, but also letting my network know that this was um, coming coming out. And I just did a big launch where I let every single person in my network knew, know. I let them know how to continue to learn about the show post-launch. And so, you know, started building my email list that way. And then every single week I promote as if it's my very first episode. Awesome. That's th that's a lot to unpack. But as, as things progress then, what do you find have been like the most consistent things you've done to promote the show, especially early on? And then uh, I'm sure it's evolved since now you're over, you know, 2 million downloads and I've done a yeah. lot more with it. But, but what are some of those things that you've done consistently week to week to kind of grow, grow the show? 
So consistently week to week, I have, like I said, promoted like um, it's my first episode. So what I mean by that is that most people, when you're coming out with something you launch, you put a lot of energy into that first week. You have shiny graphics, you're posting everywhere. <laughs> and then the next and then after a while, all you do is release an episode and you may share it on one social media channel. And no, I'm I'm not like that. Every week it's going out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Um, it's in my stories. Um, this year I'm p- pumping it up a notch and sending out an email every time an episode drops. And in addition to that, although I'm covered on these channels, I really focus on one channel the most. So I think of it as having uh, real estate, you know, just making sure that you have the channel covered, but you don't necessarily have to do a deep dive on every single social media platform. And so, you know, that feels overwhelming for people, but I'm like, no, just make sure you have presence there, but then you really want to spend the most time on the platform where you know that your ideal listener hangs out the most. And for me, that's Instagram. So I've invested a lot into Instagram marketing, meaning creating consistent content, growing my audience there, using hashtags that will, you know, um, raise awareness and put me in front of people who are interested in this kind of side hustle pro content. And I did that week over week and now, you know, have grown uh, my audience significantly because of those steps. Yeah. And Nikayla, I know you did. Uh, so this is all the online and digital side of it. And then mm-hmm. what about in person as well with like events or meetups or talking about it in person? How did that kind of play a role in the growth of side hustle pro? So initially, I focused on events as a way to meet people, but also learn myself. So in 2016, I launched a podcast, June 2016, and I went to events that year. I did get a Side Hustle Pro t-shirt printed up and everywhere I went, you know, I was (laughs) repping Side Hustle Pro, letting people know um, first that it was coming before it had launched. And then when it launched, that it recently launched. And I was trying to get a sense of how to you know, continue to build my personal brand. Like I was still in a growth phase of understanding. So I would talk to these speakers. I remember at one of the events, I asked one of these speakers, you know, what, what would, what would um, entice you to be on a lesser known podcast? You know, because I was trying to think of, (laughs) of how I could get her on. And she just told me about making sure that when I reach out to people that I really help them to understand that the audience that they'll be talking to is the audience that they want to be speaking to, that the, that's the audience they need for their particular business or brand and and making it about, um, and really making that connection clear for them. So that was very helpful. And then in 2017, I shifted into a space of speaking more. And so at that time I didn't charge or, you know, I was willing to just speak for free just to gain that experience. And so that was what that year was focused on for me, getting the word out there about Side Hustle Pro, but also learning how to be a better public speaker. And then 2018, I think, is when I really shifted into thinking of it as a revenue stream and being more um, strategic about which speaking events I took on because, you know, traveling takes a lot out of you. Yeah, it's a ton. I mean, I've known people who are like one of my people, uh, one of my mentors from a few years back once I did an internship in, in San Diego. I mean, he was doing probably a hundred some days wow. a year gone, which is insane. I mean, just, <laughs> it's like a lot of you and I can see that how it kind of wore him down as well. Um, but with with the show too. So I was obviously like you, you start the show and you would go from the blog to then the podcast format. Was it always you editing, always you doing everything in this? Or do you have any like contractors or do you use any like, like Upwork or anything? How does that the team part of it play a role? 
the it was initially it was just me doing all of the editing and I released my episodes I still release my episodes on Wednesdays and I used to call Tuesdays Super Tuesdays because try as I might as a side hustler I would still end up the night before an episode went live just editing it and you know doing all the background trying to mix it myself and all this other stuff and it was working you know um but then I actually had a producer reach out to me and you know we did a couple of test episodes and from there he's been my producer editor mixer all in one so that's been very helpful and around the time that I started working with him I realized I do want to take on I do want to build out my team but that requires paying people so in order to do that I have to make this podcast profitable in order for me to to build a, a larger team. And so that's when I really started thinking about the monetization aspect. Yeah. And then diving deeper into that, I mean, what were some of the first things you did to monetize Side Hustle Pro? So some of the first things I did, I started out with um, merch. So I tested out the lane of creating t-shirts and doing the whole drop shipping model. So you can sign up to any one of these drop shipping sites that uh, c- takes care of fulfillment for you and upload your designs and all of that. Um, That was one of the first things I tested. What I found, though, was that the margins are pretty slim, right? You can make some good, you know, extra cash and do some fun things with that. But it really is not something that can provide you a salary unless you're like really just going to just go hard, go all in, hire some crazy designers and stuff like that. But you'll it'll take a while to see a return because you can create all the products you want. But one, people have to have asked for those products. They have to have wanted those products. And then you have to consistently get new customers to buy those products. So that was one of the first things I tested out. And after that, I I spent some more time investing in my business, actually. So if you look at my balance sheet, um, you know, I was in the red (laughs) a bunch because after that I said, okay, I need to figure out some different things. So I took, um, I did a sponsorship intensive for one. I also uh, took courses on um, learning how to package my knowledge into my own course. And after that, pursued sponsorships as a revenue stream, learned how to pitch and secure sponsorships for my show. So about six months in, I pitched my first sponsor and secured my first uh, $4,000 contract. So that was exciting. And I've been working with them ever since, uh, along with other sponsors. And then also I started uh, launching, testing out my own mini courses around January 2017 as well. Wow, that's a lot. And then with, with with sponsors, I mean, I read, uh, you listened or read that you were at maybe like five thousand downloads when you approached sponsors. Yes. Uh, yeah. How'd you get to that point of deciding like this is this is now the time to really kind of go hard on kind of sponsorships and figuring that side of it out? So, with figuring that out, I knew the whole um, CPM side of um, sponsorships and what the sponsorship industry looks for. So basically, they. Um, they're used to podcasters charging them per thousand impressions or per thousand downloads. And with that in mind, I thought, okay, how many downloads do I have? If I was to charge them, that would that be, would that be sufficient for me? You know, if you're, if you have only a few amount of downloads and you can only charge someone maybe $25 a spot, maybe that might not be worth the effort for you to, you know, sign a contract, get a script, record it, send them feedback on the numbers. Like that's a lot of work each week. So that's why in the beginning, I just focused on growing my audience. First of all, knowing who my audience was and then finding them and growing it because I knew that would be the first layer they would look at. But then 
just focus on getting to 5,000. Like, you know, you don't have to focus on getting to 20 or 30 or a million downloads. Like you can start monetizing um, with a few thousand. Just know you'll have to charge less in the beginning, but at least understand that CPM um, equation. And I actually provided a calculator for that in my latest episode. If you go to sidehustlepro.co slash 183 for anyone who is trying to figure that out. So that's the first thing I figured out. Okay, I am comfortable with what I would be able to charge. Like this would be worthwhile for me to go through all that effort if I was able to start landing sponsors at this rate. Yeah. And then with the courses as well. So how, how did the courses come into play? Because I mean, online courses are very hot now. They've been for, for a number of years. And like my best friend has an online course business that teaches people how to play piano. And he's done very well with that. Like, how did you look at online courses and how do you want to fit that into your business? You know, when I first started out, I did it really think about online courses. And what got me interested in it was the fact that people were asking me for this information anyway. Um, people <laughs> yep. saw that I built the Side Hustle Pro Instagram and other social media pages up very quickly. And they were like, how did you do that? You know, how are you doing this? <laughs> and so I said, well, <laughs> and, and I took for granted often with stuff that people package and, and create courses around, it's often stuff you take for granted that you do well, that just comes naturally to you. And I'm like, duh, don't you understand how Instagram works? Like I thought everyone knew this, but no, not everyone knows what you know. So once I had that realization and I, and, and I got over that imposter syndrome of feeling like, oh, can I really teach this? Am I the one to teach this? Like I'm not perfect. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm still learning myself. Once you realize that there are people who, for for you, for them, you are the one that is further ahead and knows everything, then I realized that I needed to do this. So that's number one. And I think of online courses in the same way as I do graduate programs, right? Like they are teaching us things that we're going to need in the real world. If you're starting a business in 2020, you need to understand social media. If you are yeah. starting a podcast, you need to understand how to market it, especially now because it's the market is so saturated. You need to understand what steps you can take to grow it to a point where you can monetize it. So I think of it as um, necessary information that people need in today's age. Yeah, and with your focus on Instagram, because that's where your that's where your audience is. I mean, what are some of those helpful things that podcasters or anyone who has a business can can know about Instagram that you found useful to help you grow your audience? Because you're at you know, seventy thousand plus uh, followers now. Like, what are some things that have been helpful for you with that, with growing that? So, one of the things that's been helpful for me is I treat social media marketing like. Uh, or social media networking, like real life networking. So you know how you'd go to an event and you'd strategize, okay, I want to talk to like a few people tonight, exchange information. I think of Instagram the same way. So I'm not, um, I, I tell everyone that once you understand who your ideal listener is, you need to actually go out and meet that person and introduce yourself to that person. So in, on Instagram, that comes in the form of a like. And it really boggles people's minds sometimes that like I have, you know, authority here. I can go out there and do this. I don't have to wait for people to find me. And, and somehow, you know, my post out of the billions that are out there will get in front of their face. No, you can go out there, introduce yourself. They will come back to your page, see what you have going on. And because you have done such a good job of identifying who that person is, and because you've also done a good job of creating the content that they're interested in. So that's another thing I teach. Like once you understand who they are, also um, do market research and take some time to understand the different type of posts that resonate with them and create those type of posts in your own words. This is not about copying, but this is just about 
let's say, if you realize that, hey, they're really into video content or they're really into content with headlines on the top of a photo so it's spelled out for them, then creating more of that type of post with your content is what I mean by that. So that's that's what I tell people. Um, one of the best strategies on inter- Instagram is to go out there and introduce yourself to people, not like follow for follow or not using any of these spammy bots. I do this all manually. And that is the um, the most straightforward way that I was able to start growing my page. And from there, people share it with their friends. People start to see it more and it just goes from there. Yeah. And with that too, I mean, how much time are you spending on like the social media promotion side of uh, your business these days? So it it shifts. Um, In the beginning, I spent a lot more time. So I would go in there. um, I would kind of set an alarm in the beginning and go in there maybe like once an hour um, just to go out there and introduce myself to some more people. Because with Instagram, too, you can't take too many actions per hour or they'll think you're a bot. (laughs) So you have to be careful with that. Um, But nowadays I have uh, I work with a social media uh, content and and uh, social media manager. So we're scheduling out content in advance. We're talking through what we're going to post. And so a lot of it is scheduled. And I would say I go in there. I try to spend less time on there just so I can focus more on my business, but definitely a few times, like, you know, once in the morning and once in the evening. Yeah. And so you say, so you can focus more time on your business. So what are some of those other tasks like these days, then you're kind of uh, how your time is broken down in your business today? So I am big on batch scheduling my tasks and also working in um, kind of batches of time. So Mondays and Tuesdays, I really focus on my own interviews. So I'm doing guest outreach, but I'm also interviewing people, recording their intros, recording ads, all all things related to the business of the show, uh, responding to sponsors, sending out invoices, all that good stuff. Then uh, Tuesdays, uh, excuse me, Wednesday, Thursdays, I shift focus to my podcast moguls members. Um, we have live coaching calls. I'm going into our, our Facebook group to make sure I've answered all their questions that came up in between our last coaching call. I'm also doing strategy calls with uh, VIP students. And then on Thursdays, if I'm not doing a masterclass and I'm preparing for that or just, you know, thinking through ways to raise awareness of my own program, because you can never... You can never market too much. <laughs> and then Fridays, <laughs> I try to work really hard Monday through Thursday so that Fridays are very chill. I don't do any calls or anything like that. And those are days that I can catch up on life, run errands and things like that. Yeah. And there's so many different ways that people work and how they schedule their things that they need to do for their business and batching different tasks. And I've always kind of find that find that fascinating. And and you mentioned uh, the, the podcast Moguls. So talk a little bit more about that program. I know I've heard about it before, but can you tell people what that is? Sure. So Podcast Moguls is my accelerator program for emerging and current podcasters who want to grow their show, whether that is you've reached a plateau and you need to grow it to more downloads and you're trying to understand how to market so that you can monetize and use this as a platform for you to speak on stages and, you know, do greater things with your brand. That is what the program is for. So it is eight weeks of content and we meet bi-weekly live doing our video coaching calls, you know, that I mentioned so that I'm able to coach and guide everyone through this process that helped me to 
you know, go from zero to three million downloads. And my students uh, span the gamut. They're all kind of podcasters in there is from those who have health podcasts, those who have podcasts about um, mechanics, those who podcast about uh, motherhood, all sorts of stuff. So it's been really interesting for me because being able to guide people who are um, podcasting about all these plethora of, of topics, but still being able to use these fundamental steps to grow their podcast and start to gain these um, achievements that they've always wanted has been really, really helpful and rewarding. So some of you, or, you know, you might've seen that I was on the Today Show, but I am more proud of the fact that one of my podcast mobile students is going to be on the Today Show than the fact that I was on the Today Show. So (laughs) it's it it's been really, really rewarding. And, you know, anyone who wants to find out more about that, I recommend them going to podcastmoguls.com. Perfect. And I wanted to make sure we get that in there as well, because I know it seems like a great program and, and getting more of that, that press side of things too, and being featured in different publications and even on the Today Show, like, how did that come about? And like, I guess, at what point did you really think about, okay, I want to start doing some of this? Was it organic? Or was it more? Uh, was it like, you really wanted to do this at a certain time? I'm curious about how that kind of all went. I'm curious about how which part like went on the Today Show and even oh, okay. publications like Forbes and, that, and such. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, what's funny about all of that, like people think that, you know, you hire a publicist or you pitch all these um, shows, but all of that comes from doing the work. And my favorite saying is lay low and build, aka put all of your energy into producing quality content each and every week or whatever cadence of your show you have, producing quality episodes, right? That's the first step. Then producing quality marketing. So making sure that you're getting the best image you can to promote that show, the best headlines, you're thinking about some ways to repurpose it, you're scheduling it out so that this happens consistently. Because in 2018, I fell off of marketing, right? I There were times when episodes were coming out and I was five episodes behind in promoting them. And that's like the worst thing you want to do. You want to make sure that you are treating each episode like it's your first episode and, you know, sharing it across the social media platforms, emailing your list, getting as excited about it. So your audience gets excited. And another thing to remember is that not everyone listens to every single one of your episodes. So the reason you promote it, like it's the first time you've ever promoted it is because every single episode has a chance to be that hook that gets someone to listen for the first time and become a loyal subscriber. So that's number one. And that's how those people found me. Like those producers for TED and Today's Show, Forbes, they reached out to me based on the work that they saw. Because Side Hustle Pro, um, the more work you do, the more the more um, you invest in your website and that content, the SEO builds, right? The more you put into social media, it comes across their feed eventually, whether that's on LinkedIn, where some of them reach out to me or, you know, on Facebook or Instagram. And that's why it's important to have real estate on all of them. So that, that's how those came about. They, they organically reached out to me based on when they were interested in doing an article or a feature on side hustles. Guess who comes up? The Side Hustle Pro. <laughs> of course. That's awesome. And obviously, I love what you said like about putting in the work. I and mean, that's how you got to that point. And you're doing consistently, you know, week in and week out. And that's what leads to those, to those opportunities. And with the and show- another thing I'll add to that too, Justin, is, um, and, and this is what I encourage my podcast moguls members too, or just anyone doing a podcast is, um, you know, while it's fun sometimes to just say, I, I'm interested in this topic, I want to get out there and start a show and do some episodes on it really take a step back and ask yourself, what do I want to be known for? Because 
as you do your episodes, you become known for the content on your show. So if the content is too broad, you're not known for anything. And if the content is too specific, before you know it, you're known for that thing, even if you didn't want to be. So really make sure you are understanding that this is part of a personal brand that you're now building. And if you want to be if you want to be on TV, if you want to be featured in articles, those producers, those editors, those writers have to be able to quickly assess who is the expert on such and such topic. And that means you have to present yourself as an authority and an expert on these topics. And I don't mean you have to get out there and like, you know, act like you know everything, but your name has to become associated with that topic. Yes, un- undoubtedly. And and with your show, it's also pro I used to be known for that topic. You've done interviews, but you've also done solo episodes. How do you look at doing solo episodes versus doing interviews and the content itself of your podcast? So with solo episodes, I have, I'm still working it out. You know, initially when I started, I thought I would do every other week, one week an interview, one week a solo episode. And after a while, I just loved the interviews so much. I was finding I was forgetting to do solo episodes. (laughs) And (laughs) so now this year, what my strategy is going to be to make my interviews, my, my standard weekly Wednesdays, but then pop up with bonus episodes on either Sunday or Monday, which are solos where I'm either teaching or just sharing my entrepreneur diaries because I know it's important. I know people who have seen me from the very first episode when I had just started working for NPR. I was figuring my life out. I didn't know that I was going to quit my job when I did and all these other things. And they want to know how making it work. How's it going? And and it's important to me to keep them in the loop about that process because I am literally, I've gone through the process I talk about in my whole show thesis. I'm went from side hustle to full-time entrepreneur. So who am I to not share this process? Yes. And I definitely want to get into that in just a second. But what I'm wondering too, is with your show, especially as it's grown now, I mean, how do you look at getting guests and who you want to have on the show? Because you have, I'm sure more options now, but how do you look at that, that set of things and who you actually interview? So I always still have to go back to the, the, premier, not the premier goal, but the primary goal. (laughs) I always have to go back to the primary goal of the show because it's easy to, it's, it's uh, tempting, I should say, to look at all these other people that are, would be interesting to talk to. But then I have to ask myself, well, wait a minute. Are they even, did they even start out as side hustlers? Are they full-time entrepreneurs? Does this make sense for what I'm trying to share on this show? So that's the first thing, remembering why I started this show. I started it to show people what's possible. You can only be what you see, right? So number one, I was scared of entrepreneurship. And so I know other people were scared of it and I want to show them that it's accessible to us, that it's possible and you can do this as a side hustle. And that's the first thing. That's my first thing that I think about. And then in terms of reaching out to other people, I think the show is interesting because while some people might think it's big, there are other people who've never heard of it. There there are lots of people, right? I still have so much work to do. So when I'm pitching, um, people who are really, really successful in terms of um, maybe how much, how long they've been in business or um, where they're featured, what they've accomplished. I have to recognize that those are still reach guests for me, even having a podcast that has grown to over 3 million downloads. Those are still reaches. So I don't take anything for granted and assume that, oh, I can just get Oprah tomorrow. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I I don't think Oprah's heard of Side Hustle Pro yet. You don't so have, I'm you just, have Oprah <laughs> I'm, I'm still putting in that work to grow the show even more. And I still do pitch. I pitch my reach guests, but then I also pitch people who I know um, will will definitely say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Eventually, you'll, you'll, you'll get you'll get there, Nikayla. Just yeah. a matter of time. <laughs> and you know, I I want to talk to people who are relatable. That's the first. That's also very important to me. So while it's cool to get celebrities now and then, um, you find that sometimes people need to hear from someone who seems just like them, and that's when they'll take action. Because a celebrity, as as interesting and cool as their story is the more successful they are, the less relatable they are. Yeah, that's actually something at USC with guest speakers. Sometimes we've had, I mean, we've literally had a number of billionaires come speak and founders yeah. of big companies like, you know, like Snapchat, uh, like founders of them come in and speak and you're like, well, it's great to hear that sometimes, but also like I, you can't really re- relate to that right, right now. Right. So it's, it's not, oh yeah, like billion dollar company and you're like 27 years old or something. It's like, uh, I can't really uh, right. quite relate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's nice to yeah. have that, you know, kind of like a uh, variety in guests. Right. Like just on podcast too, like just and a variety of all sorts of entrepreneurs and founders. Exactly. And that that yeah. arc and like the, you know, starting from nothing, going for something I love. And I also love introducing people to someone they've never heard of that's actually a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're like, wait, what? Like, what? Right, right. Who is that oh my goodness. And there's gems everywhere. I mean, literally mm-hmm. all over the place with people who are doing amazing things that like we just don't know about. And it, it's so inspiring to listen to those different stories. And uh, that's why obviously I do my podcast and I'm sure other others do the same. And and your story, going back to your story, you started this podcast and you were obviously not full time into it immediately. How, getting to the point of quitting your job, take me through that. So getting to that point, um, you know, after starting the podcast and really immersing myself in these stories, I think I reached a point where I knew that I could survive in corporate America, but I didn't know if I could thrive. And and the reason I say this is not to knock corporate America. It's just um, my personal experience in life. I've always found myself to be the odd man out in terms of I've always felt like I was trying to fix fit into boxes that I didn't fit into, that I was being pushed into places. For example, um, going to business school, right? I enjoyed business school, but what was tricky for me was the fact that I was someone who was interested in social media marketing. I was interested in that post school. And what I found was I was being pushed towards uh, brand marketing and I was being pushed towards CPGs, uh, corporate c- consumer packaged goods companies. I tried them yeah. out, tested them out, hated them. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. And then again, this is me and Nikayla who just didn't fit there for some reason. And I couldn't figure it out. You know, God hadn't explained to me yet why I couldn't quite fit there, why I couldn't quite fit at Google and ad sales, you know. And what I, I came to a point where I realized that perhaps my purpose on this earth, I don't know my purpose, right? I don't know all, everything, have everything figured out yet. I think we get to see glimpses of our purpose, but life is about uncovering the puzzle pieces as we go along. So the glimpses I've seen thus far allowed me to realize that I won't thrive playing by these rules. I can survive, but I won't thrive. And so I started to think of it myself as like, hey, you know, life is short. We only get one. What am I waiting for? What what am I afraid of? You know, what's the worst that could happen from t- taking a risk and betting on myself? Like I can get, come back and get another job if need be, but I'll never get this opportunity again. So let me figure out how I can make enough money 
to survive on my own as an entrepreneur. And so once I shifted into that mentality, that's when I really went hard on testing out different revenue streams so that I could build up as I was saving from my job, also start to build up reps to understand how I could make, how, how I could do this for a living, how I could make more money. Yeah. And then actually quitting your job, getting to that point and yeah. you're, you're and you're two weeks in or whatever you do. I mean, take me through the emotions you're feeling that and like how you're thinking through that when that actually happened. So around the time that actually happened, um, I actually have an I quit episode that I need to go back and listen to myself because it was two years ago. <laughs> and it's always funny to me. You think you remember, but you really don't until you go back and you're like, wait a second. Wow, that is how I was feeling. So, you know, I know for a fact that I was excited, but also nervous, of course, like, it's um it's weird when you're also leaving to be a full-time podcaster, you know, because people don't understand what that is. So all that validation that throughout our life has saved us and we were accustomed to hearing like, oh, you work for so-and-so. Oh, you're so smart. You go to this school. Like none of that validation exists when you're an entrepreneur or you're starting to start up. Like uh, people don't get it and they're looking at you like you're crazy and like, oh man, like in their head, you can just look at them like, you know, they're thinking, oh, this poor girl. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks she's gonna she's not really gonna quit NPR to go, okay, all right. right. Um, so it was one getting over that and realizing that I could not look to other people for validation anymore. That was a, a quick realization. Um, because you tell people and you, you know, have to sit and wait for their response and it's aggravating. Um but then also I had to just consistently remind myself that I know my plan. I know what I'm going to do. I've tested out my revenue streams. I have savings in case those revenue streams stop working. I'm going to do this. I, uh, you know, I'm going to lean on my faith. I'm going to lean on my confidence in myself and I'm going to push through. And so that's the mentality that I put myself in. And around that time, unfortunately, I also experienced a loss in my life. And, um, you know, someone who was the same age as me, we went to college together and, it was just unexpected. And it was literally the day I, the, the day before I, the day before my last day of work, when I, you know, it was going to be my last day at the job was the day I found out she had passed. And it was almost like just a stark reminder that life is short. Like we might've only, at the time I was 33, I believe we might only be 33, but like, that is all some people will ever have. Imagine not knowing that, you know, you'll only have X amount of years and you spent it scared to do something that you're really interested in doing. And, you know, that for me was like the last thing that just pushed me to go after my goal. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear about that. And it's it's something, yeah, even looking back to when I was in college, actually, uh, someone who was, I was in college and he was a few years older than me. One of my friends and kind of mentors as well uh, passed away when he was 24 years old. And, wow. You know, even back then you're thinking about how like, wow, you just have no idea how much time we actually have. And that's something that's always driven me as well to be like, you got to pursue what you want to do right. and not you know, not, not let the fear uh, cripple you or paralyze you to taking action. And and you mentioned the business school thing as well. It's so tough when everyone's doing kind of uh, the same thing or the, mm -hmm. the known thing. When you're trying to do something different, uh, it can be difficult. Yep. But it's got to go back to those reminders of people who are doing what they want to do and then also not knowing how much time we have and right. makes it even more important than to, to do what kind of brings you to life. And right. 
as well. It's a thin line because I can't tell someone else when to quit. Like when people tell me, ask me, you know, how do I know when I can quit? I can't tell you when you'll be comfortable with making this decision. I can't tell what's in your bank account. Like I, it's going to be different for every single person. Um, So that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. And then going full time into, you know, the podcast and everything with your business, is it what you expected it to be? Yes and no. Uh, I don't think you ever truly know what you're stepping into when you start something new, whether that is, um, you know, a, a grad program, whether that's a new job, a new city, whatever. And so, yes, in that I knew the the um, things that I would have to do to make my business continue to grow and all of that. So that was not unexpected. What was a little bit different is not, I didn't truly grasp how lonely it can be as an entrepreneur. And, you know, the stuff you take for granted, like the water cooler talk, like seeing your coworkers in the kitchen and just talking about nothing or talking about a TV show and, you know, giggling for a few minutes and going back to each, you know, each going back to our desk. Like that's important. That is human interaction that you, take for granted. And then you become an entrepreneur and you're like, wait a second, I have to go out there and find people. Otherwise, I'm just the only people I would talk to for months at a time will be me, will be myself and my husband. (laughs) And I don't think that's healthy. (laughs) So that I was I was not expecting to care, Justin. Honestly, I'm an introvert. I really wasn't expecting that to get to me, but it did. So I really I had to um, at one point I tested out a co-working space. Now I'm just not truly into the co-working space, but uh, just be more intentional. So, for example, my girlfriend, who's also an entrepreneur, is coming over. We're going to have lunch tomorrow. So being more intentional about reaching out and meeting up with friends has been important. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Nikayla, because I literally had that that kind of conversation yesterday with my best friend Zach, who's been on the show twice now, about how he's like even considering just getting a, a part time job or a job just to have. Like, <laughs> like, like, water I don't and, blame like, him. Has, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like he literally just passed like a million dollars in revenue in three years, and wow. he's considering the job for like more of like the people part of it. Yeah. Of, like, <laughs> yeah, because you want that. You're like, wait, now I have this freedom, flexibility. Now you're like, wait, I actually want the people in that right, water. Somebody, cool. anybody. <laughs> it's, oh my gosh, it's so funny how that works. Like, come full circle. Yeah. It's like you don't need to work now. Now you're now you want to go back to work. Uh, but I actually told them, I was like, you know, if you want to do more business stuff too. An MBA can be pretty fun if there's actually no financial burden at all on your on your part, which mm-hmm. he might be able to do. I was like, because you do meet a lot of great people and you right. get to have that people, which is interesting how that goes. Um, and then as you've grown your business too, Nikayla, I mean, what do you do to kind of step away and recharge and kind of unwind from the business day to day? So one of the things that I do is the just trying to have a day and I literally put it on my calendar. Um, like for me, Fridays, I try to slow down, but I still check in on a, a few things. So I will schedule in rest like this coming Sunday, I have just rest on my planner. <laughs> like, do not <laughs> try to do anything. Okay, um, so that's important. Um, you think that you'll you'll just do it automatically, but you literally have to to write it down like it's a task and schedule that in. And then I also um, check in with family and friends and make time to just just talk. And um, so that's one of the things. I also have a group there. There's a group of women. Um, 
podcasters who I met at one of my first podcasting conferences. And we have a WhatsApp group and then we do like a monthly call. So that is also important for my sanity because I am able to talk to other people who are, are in the same boat as me. And we, we talk through how we're doing it in our different lanes. And of course, um, since I work in batch hours, let's say I'm, I'm really focused from um, 11 to 4 or 11 to 2. And then for the rest of the day, it's, it's me time. So as, a, as an entrepreneur, another thing that was new to me is kind of stepping away from thinking that I have to work nine to five and not feeling guilty if my day looks like going really hard and accomplishing two really important tasks. And then for the rest of the day, I'm taking some time for myself. You know, it's this mentality of feeling like I always need to be on the grind that can be detrimental to us as entrepreneurs too, because it doesn't matter how, how many hours you work in the day. What matters is what you're getting done. Yeah, it's what to that point too of what you're getting done as an entrepreneur, but also like what kind of life are you building? You right, know, like right. you could you could work all the time, and then you hear about these stories of people who have been very very successful. But if you look at their lives, I mean, was it actually a good life or not? Like, right. you, you know, and that's something to think about as well. And that's again the conversation I just had, kind of thinking about the bigger picture of you know you could work all day and then get a lot done, sure, but then for what? Like, mm-hmm. What is it all for? Actually, you mentioned, you know, having a family, um, growing family at that. Um, (laughs) It's like, that's what's important as well. And, um, and actually on that note too, your husband also has a podcast, doesn't he? Yes, he does. So what is that? I want to have a shout out. (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny because he's actually in the process of, um, revamping that process, that podcast. So, um, he is now, he's a computer science trained um, and also went to business school, but he has a, an expertise in apps. He's an app an entrepreneur, but then now he shifted into data science. So you can find his podcast at Game of Grow. He talks about being a serial entrepreneur, which he is, and um, that might be branded rebranded in the future. So know that his name is Moyo Akome. That's M U O Y O. And he is essentially, you know, my, I call him just like, um, I don't know. He's my backbone. <laughs> he is, yeah. he is always there, ride or die. And it's so fortunate for us that we're both um, walking this entrepreneur path together because literally everything that I've gone through, he's gone through maybe a year or two before me. <laughs> so <laughs> I can lean on him and, and learn from him and including the, the highs and lows of entrepreneurship, which he's gone through for sure. Yeah. And like having, having that support system is so, so important, yeah. whether it be, you know, you know, friend, spouse and whatever. And even right. uh, like I'm building a community called the grind, actually uh, building a community of people who literally are entrepreneurs or founders or go-getters who are trying to build things and do things for that exact reason of having that kind of support. And we're going to be running that through Slack mostly and then doing some in-person things in Los oh, Angeles cool. and other stuff. And like I, starting that was because of that exact thing of like knowing these people, they want to connect with others. And I had gone to Summit, this big conference um, was in downtown Los Angeles and met so many amazing people there and see how everyone comes together because of you know they want to meet other people like them and just get a different ideas and also have a support system mm-hmm. um, and so that's something too that's so cool and and Nikayla as you've kind of grown here uh, in the last few years with having your own business as well I mean what are there any podcast books conferences that you've have enjoyed um who podcast specifically yeah, yeah. Specifically, any any ones that come to mind or ones that you suggest for people, obviously besides Side Hustle Pro. So I do 
So the podcast that I listen to, and this is a part of the self-care that you kind of mentioned before, is I when I want to check out, I listen to podcasts. So I'm listening to podcasts that are comical. Um, like I'm really into read this, read that right now. And it has nothing to do with business. <laughs> it's simply yeah. pop, pop social, social media, social media uh, commentary, but I enjoy that. And right now as an upcoming mom, I'm reading, I'm listening to a lot of pregnancy podcasts. So that might not be that interesting for your audience, <laughs> but I do recommend going to um, a podcast conference at least once and making it as, um, convenient as possible for you. So with podcasting conferences, you have to be strategic and go to ones that are offering a session that is very, very direct to what you want to learn. So don't just go if they're offering a bunch of people speaking on a panel generally about podcasting. For example, when I went to Podcast Movement, um, it was good because it was covered by the company at the time. It was covered by NPR at the time. And I knew that there was there was going to be a stra- uh, session all about monetization. And that's where I was laser focused on. So whenever people ask me about conferences, I say, make sure there's actually a session and actually people there who you want to connect with about a certain topic. And even if it's just that one session, if it's that worthwhile, then spend the money. But don't just go generally, broadly, just to network because, I mean, these things add up their their hotel, their flights, their registration fees. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, they definitely add, add up, especially if you're going to multiple. Right. And you year. can leave feeling like, okay, that was great. I was, I was caught up in the conference high and bubble, but what did I really learn? What am I, you know, how is my life going to change after this? And you you want to be able to walk away with some tangible next steps. Yeah, and there's also always that opportunity cost, right, to mm-hmm. think about. So if, whether it be the, the financial commitment you made to this and the time commitment you made could have been spent somewhere else. So right. if you're going to do it, <laughs> make the most of it yep. uh, as much as you can. And and Nikayla, what you're doing, having, having done so many different interviews on side hustles and going through it yourself, is there just anything else you'd like to, to say to aspiring entrepreneurs, people looking to start something uh, based on your experience? So... For aspiring entrepreneurs, I want to emphasize the side hustle lane is really the way to go. I mean, you don't have to have pressure on yourself to figure things out and to start making millions of dollars while you're side hustling. You can give yourself the space you need to test. Everything is a test and you need um, time and space to do that. So definitely um, focus on getting to a place where you have the ability to do that juggle. Uh, it's funny, a guest and I just talked about this on an episode airing in February where we're like, it's also important to get the right job. Um, I joke with uh, one of my MBA classmates <laughs> that at one of those speaking panels, I talked about how, well, I don't know, you know, don't like try to work for McKinsey or something and, and side hustle. <laughs> and she was like, I'm going to work for McKinsey. <laughs> and I was like, oops, sorry, girl. Oops. But no, <laughs> seriously, there are some jobs that are less conducive to side hustling. So do what you need to do to get that resume stamp, to get that experience, of course. But then when you can transition to a place to, you know, your next step doesn't have to be quitting to become an entrepreneur. Your next step can be transitioning to a job where you'll be able to side hustle. So for example, this guest, she was an attorney in a big law firm. 
and she transitioned to in-house counsel and she ended up working at a place where she could work remotely. Um, it was a different time zone. So they started, you know, it was like noon her time by the time that people in her time zone really picked up. So that's what I mean. Like there comes a point if you really want to side hustle where you do have to find the right job to facilitate <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, to allow some actual time to right. side hustle. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and, and that's going to involve, you know, kind of taking um, deprioritizing your ego for a while as well, because you can't have an ego and want to have like, want to be like the superstar at your job and then also be serious about your side hustle. Yeah. The balance is, is, is difficult with that. If you're trying to do both to the max it's mm -hmm. really, uh, and, and Nikayla, where can people go to learn more about all you're doing and everything, everything you're working on? Sure. They can check me out at sidehustlepro.co.com. And I'm on all social media channels at sidehustlepro. Awesome. I will be sure to link that all up in the show notes, just so grind.com slash podcast. Nikayla, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.